Oh, it was absolutely not just a habit, but part of my DNA. I would say I have been doing this since I was a very little girl. And it's and it's so funny because my parents loved me unconditionally. This did not come like trying to seek their approval. Although I know women who are perfectionists because of that very thing. But for me, that wasn't, it was just very much part of my wiring and I I fell into it really deeply. So it was funny because I came back to Ray uh, weeks later and I said, um, Ray, I am working so hard to feel God's love. Like I, I am reading books. I am listening to worship music. I am praying that God show me his love. I'm just doing everything. And she started laughing and she looked at me and she said, did you hear yourself? And I was like, what? And she said, you said you were working to feel God's love. Amy, she said, you have to rest to feel God's love. You're listening to episode 92 of the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden. And today I'm chatting with Amy Carroll. And maybe you can relate to what she just shared about working and striving to gain God's love and not recognizing how we need to rest Amy's written a new book called Breaking Up With Perfect. So we're talking about perfectionism today. And maybe you call yourself a perfectionist. You're, you have that good girl list. You're trying to earn your way through and work your way through. Or maybe you're on the not good enough. You're never making it. You would love to be a perfectionist, but you're falling short every day. We're going to talk about how perfectionism impacts our families, our friends, and our relationship with God. It's good stuff, y'all. Let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Amy, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. I am so excited to be here with you today. I'm so happy that Courtney connected us. She's a connector, and I like that. Me too. <laughs> Especially when I, you, I found out what your topic that you we're going to talk about today, because, man, perfectionism, Oh, hot topic, right? Yes, I think we are just surrounded by the struggle every day. Every day. And where do you live? I live in North Carolina. Yeah. The South. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, even though it's North, it's really South. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's another, I'm from the Midwest and I feel like there's, there was a perfectionism, but this is like, in Dallas, it's like plussed up like a thousand times. Wow. Well, I haven't spent time in Dallas, but I think it, I think there's something about the Southern culture and the Southern woman who, um, that it really does amp up the perfectionism. There's a lot of image carrying, Uh looking Uh good all the time. Yeah. Uh Well, before we get into your topic, which I'm so excited to talk about, I would love for you to introduce everybody to your family. Okay. Well, I have been married to my husband, Barry, for over 25 years, and I was sharing with Heather a little bit ago that I am an empty nester this year for the first time. So my oldest son, Anson, goes to college, and he is a senior this year. And then my youngest son, Nolan, is a freshman this year. So the house is very quiet. It's taken a lot of getting used to, but I got to say, I'm starting to like it. So... I'll be happy for fall break, though. Yeah. And two boys. Yes. You understand that they're not always perfect. (laughs) Oh, yes. In fact, um, that has been part of the process of breaking up with perfect is you really have to let go of some things just to be the mom of two boys. Yeah. 
Yeah. The image, um, I mean, in everyone's mind, it's like dirty, muddy, potty talking, punching. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no bows, no tights, no ballerina oh. tutus. Um, no. <laughs> I had to get a girl dog just to balance things out a little bit at my house. Yeah. I have a lot of friends of mine that have all boys <laughs> did that. Yes. Yes. So tell us, okay, so you wrote this book, Breaking Up With Perfect. For you, when did your struggle or where did you become aware that you were struggling with perfectionism? It was really kind of late in life. So we had, my family had a move about 12 years ago. And it was after that move that I started realizing that perfection wasn't serving me so well. You know, I think for a lot of us that our culture reinforces perfectionism Mm -hmm. and that is the way we have gotten all the pats on our backs, the awards, the the accolades, the approval, that's how we've gotten it all our lives. And it works for us pretty well for a time. Mm. And my time ran out about 12 <laughs> years ago. What and, happened? Uh, well, I started having friendship issues. Mm. I had always had close friends, always, always. But I had about three or four friendships that over a period of a few years after our move just imploded. Mm. and you know, when you have a series of things happening like that, it does make you start to go, hmm, I'm the common denominator here. Yeah. I may have a part in this issue. Now, these were friends from where you used to live or was the move like cross state? Yes. So these were new friendships. Okay. Okay. And in each case, my friend went through a crisis Uh and their life got messy And as a perfectionist, I don't do messy so well. It's not that my life is perfect on the inside. It's messy too. But I I had learned to cover that up pretty well. And I didn't know what to do when my friends were having um, situations that they weren't covering up so well. Mm. So that really brought things to a head. And God started really revealing to me um, the issues with my perfectionism. The other thing that was happening at the same time is that Although I was doing ministry and had been for years, I couldn't feel God's love anymore. I had, mm. I had just was kind of numb inside. I mm. knew that God loved me, but I absolutely could not feel that anymore. I had mm. gotten to a point where I had worked and in my own strength for his approval and love that I thought I had to do for so long that I just had... Um, kind of shut down spiritually and emotionally that way. And I think you share this story in your book that there was an actual friend who was bold enough to maybe call it out. She Is that did. Right? Yeah, she did. Tell she us about did. that. So I, I have always had this value in my life that I want a mentor. God has been so faithful to put amazing older women in my life over and over again. But after the move, I hadn't had a mentor for a while. So I, Went to a woman after church one day and just said, hey, can I have coffee at your house? Love that. I love that you went up to her and said, can I have coffee at your house? Like, they're not going to come knocking on our door. We were just talking about this at a mops meeting. I just wish they'd just come knocking on our door. They're not going to. They don't want to be intrusive. So go up to them. I love that. Good for you. Well, it's funny because my first mentor was when I was 16 and she literally lived in my backyard. But that's a different story. Yeah. Um, But 
once I had that experience, I'm like addicted to having a mentor. So yeah. I become a crazy stalker girl. That's <laughs> something that I see that I need. And so I that's the this. other thing. You just nailed it. When you, I see something you have that I need, because that's what yeah. I'll tell people when they're like, well, how do I get a mentor? I'm like, think of an area of your life that you want to grow in or look at around you and look at women. And if you see something that they have that you would love to emulate, not in a comparison, in a growing and being more Christ-like, ask them to meet with you. Just exactly what you did. Love that. So you went up to her and you asked her to come to her house for coffee. I did. Well, she invited me. Okay, and, okay. And I went and I really thought I had my, my facade firmly in place. Like mm. I, and within five minutes of talking to her, she had my number. And mm. she had heard me do a teaching. And in my teaching, she said, Amy, it wasn't a terrible teaching, but man, you've got this list of what everything should look like. And what I want to know is what happens when the list falls apart? Mm. Are you going to make it? And I mean, I instantly started crying instantly. It was like the facade just got ripped off. What kind and, of thing, What kinds of things were on that list? Um, well, I, it's funny because this is a mom show and it was, I was teaching on how to love your children mm. and I had a list of what that looked like, what you had to do um, to be the mom who looked like she loved her children. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like an Crazy, external, right? like yes. approval thing to yes. be the perfect mom, do X, Y, and Z. Absolutely. The formula. It mm. was the formula. And, um, and my friend Ray had, she, the reason that she knew me so well is because she's a lot like me, Got it. but she had a time period where one of her teenage girls didn't, uh, she didn't go with the plan. She didn't live up to the formula. And during that time, God started showing Ray how much she had built her life on that list, that mm. that the list of things that had to be in place to be perfect. And he started showing her. So she was the perfect mentor because she saw right through me because she had been me. Yeah. Yeah. If there's perfect, right? Yeah. <laughs> she was a great match. She was a great match. She was a great match. Yes. So once she tells you that, and your eyes are open, and it's yucky, and it's ugly. As yeah. someone sitting here listening might be thinking, oh my goodness, that's me. Like, things have to go exactly this way. If they don't, I stop breathing like hives, and I can't let someone see. Yeah. What did you do to untangle yourself from probably a habit of pursuing perfection? Oh, it was absolutely not just a habit, but part of my DNA. I would Mm. say I have been doing this since I was a very little girl. And it's it's so funny because my parents loved me unconditionally. This did not come like trying to seek their approval. Although I know women who are perfectionists because of that very thing. Yeah. But for me, that wasn't, it was just very much part of my wiring and I I fell into it really deeply. So it was funny because I came back to Ray uh, weeks later and I said, um, Ray, I'm working so hard to feel God's love. Like I, I am reading books. I'm listening to worship music. I am praying that God show me his love. I'm just doing everything. And she started laughing and she looked at me and she said, did you hear yourself? (laughs) And I was like, what? And she said, you said you were working to feel God's love. 
Yep. Amy, she said, you have to rest to feel God's love. And it that was a first little aha moment. And then in the book, I won't go into the whole long story, but it took me going to India <laughs> to experience the rest of it, to come into contact with a woman who had never done anything to deserve God's love, who was experiencing his love on such a level that it just broke the shell off my heart mm. to see it and to experience that myself. So, I mean, God really did do a supernatural work and broke that shell off around my heart, but I had to realize it was even there first. You know, you, you just nailed it. Like that's been something pressing in me. Um, as I'm been talking to friends lately and even part of my story, I totally can relate to the having the list and keeping all the the, the appearance and having a breakdown of like, I can't do it anymore. Like I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. It's not enough. And I can't please everybody. That wasn't his intention for me to please everybody. <laughs> and then, and realizing I even made being God centered, like a checklist and a list. Oh, well, I've got to have this and I got to do this and this, and then I've got to replace me with he, like I've got to make sure God's in there and I'm out of there. <laughs> and like, when I was aware of the fact that if he's before me, if he's behind me, if he's with me, then he's all around me and I am centered in him. Like, I don't have to force my position in his love. I am in his love completely surrounded to the depths if I just turn to him and stop working so hard. Like, I was just talking to a friend. It's like letting him do surgery on me. I can't be the surgeon and the patient. I have to lay there still (laughs) and let him do his work on me in a supernatural way. Exactly what you said. It is not reading more scripture, praying more, working, working, working. It is literally letting go and letting a Holy Spirit thing happen. I've witnessed it with people. I've seen it in my own life. It is not of your own work. It is totally him. It's true. Totally him. And one of the things that I wrote in my book and I repeat over and over again to myself is that only when I end my own pursuit of perfection, can God start his perfecting work in me. Mm. And, you know, it's so true. Like God had to break that shell off my heart before he could even work on my heart. And, um, and it wasn't something that I could even, I couldn't even break the shell off myself. Um, But yes, I mean, the whole time he was there loving me, but I think he was probably shaking his head a little bit too. And, um, you know, the worst, the time I fell into it, the worst was when my kids were little and I just, I had this idea of what the perfect mom looked like. But the weird thing was, is I had two super moms in my head. So um, I had this one group of moms that I call the earth mama moms. And so... (laughs) (laughs) They were like the ones that were, um, you know, had the family bed and the baby was just on their own schedule. And And they're wearing them. They're wearing that baby. Oh, oh, yes, Yes. absolutely. And feeding them naturally anywhere and everywhere. And and I admired that mom because I was like, wow, I saw things I really loved in that mom. And then I had this other set of moms that I called the right on schedule moms. And they were the ones whose baby slept all night and who they, the baby slept in the crib and they looked all put together all the time. And I just, both of them, I was like super moms. Mm. So I was torn between these two ideals. Mm. Um, my husband actually, I, I would quote to him, quotes from books. And I would say, well, the book says, and then I'd say, and finally one day he went, which book are you talking about? Because (laughs) (laughs) I was 
reading contradictory books and you know girl and, I totally get this yes go and, and so it was like I had I had I wanted to find a role that I mm. could fit myself into mm. and I think that's the most devastating thing about perfectionism in the end is that we have to shape shift all the time mm. so it depends on what your group you're with are you with your earth mama moms that's when the earth mama your earth mama mom comes out. Are you yeah. with the right on schedule moms? That's when you talk that talk and walk that walk and it kills your soul. I mean, mm-hmm. it just, um, there's a woman in there that God created um, to be uniquely you. And when we just embrace these roles, we shut that woman down. Mm-hmm. And um, it's so good. It's so good. You've totally nailed it. I mean, I totally, and I think because motherhood is so unknown and so to a perfectionist who's had control of her life since childhood, all her ducks in a row, straight A's, done everything to meet the perfect um, measure, then you get to motherhood and there's so much unpredictability and so many versions and... I vividly remember the th- with the sleep training, the three different books that contradicted each other. And I was in a tizzy because I'm like, I can't be, I can't get this right because they say let him cry and they say I'm a bad mom if I let him cry. And she says that I should be in the, I was like, and that's when I recognized like, oh, I just got to figure out what works for me. Yeah. This, this is not, I can't, I cannot be the one that they all want me to be. Yes. Yes. That they well, say I am is perfect. And then work. when you start looking at around at the moms who are the most comfortable with themselves, you yes. just see the ease that they have with their kids. And I, you know, I did have some realizations during this time. The breaking up a perfect thing has been a process. It's a continuing process. But um, one of the things that I realized is that God made these children to be uniquely mine. And so mm-hmm. I am uniquely made to be their mother. And when I am my truest self, I am their best mother. So, yeah. He's never made a bad match. Exactly. That's good. I like that. And even having four different versions of a boy. (laughs) I I see how I, 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 that's the, those are right match. And it stretches me. I think that's another thing. Like I have to lean a little bit more into who God is some, Mm -hmm. you know, to compensate for where my weaknesses are as a person. And where my personality is, is not well matched. So you mentioned that you found out you struggled with perfection because of your mentor, but you also said the friendship. Tell us how does perfectionism affect our friendships? You mentioned that they were going through hard times. Is that the one way you found it that you kind of pulled back when they went through hard things or were there other areas? Absolutely. I think there were other areas all along. I think it just took some crisis to bubble it all to the top for me Mm. to start really recognizing it. And, you know, it kind of going to go back to the Southern girl thing, but um, not to wear that out. But I mean, Southern girls are, you know, notoriously nice. And, um, and so I wasn't going to have a falling out with you, but what would probably happen is if your life got messy, you turn around one day and think, well, where did she go? Mm. And I just would have quietly backed out of that situation because I didn't know how to handle it. And mm. um, I mean, that was part of it. And then sometimes I said things at, at the wrong time instead of just being patient and waiting for God to 
um, do his work and knowing that he was big enough. That's something I've learned so much in the last decade is I don't have to jump right in. As a perfectionist, not only do I want to be perfect, but I'm going to help you be perfect too. Mm. Well, that's a that's a problem in friendships, especially when friends are going through a crisis. They don't they don't want you to tell them necessarily what they need to do and how they need to say it right at that moment. They don't they may not be ready to hear what God's word even has to say right at the second you think you need to fix it. And so um, I heard something. This has been revolutionary for me. It was just a random interview on the TV, so I can't even give credit where credit is due, but there was a woman being interviewed and she said, it is not my job to judge. It's not, it's my job to accompany. And Mm. I was like, Oh wow. Um, and as perfectionists, I think that translates to being judgmental a lot. I know Mm. it did in my life. And so what God's been teaching me is, yes, his, we stand on his word. It's truth. But I don't have to. There's a time for that. And I need to wait on his timing instead of just diving in and trying to fix things um, in other people's lives. So. Wow. Wow. I love I mean, everything you have to say. So good. And I know that, you know, some people might be listening and maybe we've already lost them because they've already decided they're not perfectionists. Uh-huh. But in your book, you bring up that there's different versions of perfectionists, um, two different lists that we end yeah. up on or groups that we end up in um, that end differently. Yes. The, the, um, wait, I'm going to find it. So you know me, it probably. Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> say it. I'll say it. Um, yeah. So for me, the big one has been the good girl list, which yes. is all the things that you have to do and say to earn love and approval. And then there's another group of women, and this may resonate more with um, other listeners of yours who haven't really connected with my story, but there's the never good enough list. And you're Mm -hmm. still a perfectionist. You still want to create the facade of being okay. But behind that facade, you feel like you never measure up. Mm -hmm. Um, And that most of the time, the never good enough girl list uh, comes from one of two places, either you were handed it to, it, it was handed to you as a child. So the people who should have loved and nurtured you told you, you would never be good enough. You mm. would never measure up. You were bad. You were unworthy. You were unloved. Mm. And then for another group of women in that category, you kind of, you kind of made your list. <laughs> you, there were choices that you make that have brought shame in your life and you, you hide the shame with a facade of perfection. Mm. So, yeah, I think, and, and it's funny because when I had my book launch, I had a bunch of my friends, including my childhood best friend as part of a panel. And what my childhood best friend said, um, is that she swings back and forth between the lists. Mm. That was something, even though I wrote the book, that had not occurred to me. And now that she said it, I see it in my own life too. Or different areas, right? We might feel like we're not good enough in the spiritual area, but we're trying to be the good girl with um, our marriage or our kids or friendships. I mean, yeah, I could totally see the swinging back and forth. Absolutely. Well, and I think in our head, sometimes we'll imagine a perfectionist equals a type A person. Right. And I am not type A. Right. (laughs) I think some people, some people think I am. Uh, People who are really close to me know that I'm not because they know how I live. 
and everything's a mess constantly. So, and I'm all over the board, but I, I struggle with the, the never good enough list, right? The desire is that my house would be perfectly in order. Sure. And you mentioned you're taking the strengths finders. Um, taking strengths finders for me was very helpful to realize that focus was at the bottom of my list. Oh yeah. I will never be that person. I can stop trying, stop allocating energy to being someone that I'm not. It was a relief to me that. I would that, say that is so funny. I love that reaction because see, as the more type A personality and the good, having the good girl list, I just didn't like my strength finders list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't perfect enough, right? <laughs> it yeah. wasn't. I didn't yeah. like it. Yeah. See, mine was like, it. <laughs> it was like peace for me. Like, oh, and I saw like if I was failing in an area in our home and like I knew it wasn't good enough, I expected my husband to be that for us to compensate. And so I was putting all that pressure on him and it was straining our relationship. But when he did Strength Finders and I saw it was at the bottom of his list too, I was like, well, we're just not that family. <laughs> like, <laughs> phew, yeah. we'll just let go of that altogether. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. I have gotten there, but I was not there at the beginning. I just rebelled against my list. (laughs) You rebelled against your list. That is interesting. That good girl versus never good enough. Like, yeah, that is interesting. The two reactions to that list. It's funny. My friend Wendy, who um, is mentioned in the book, and she, we were having this hilarious conversation. She is definitively the never good enough girl. And she said, so do you really believe if you do everything on your list that and that you'll be perfect? And um, she said, do you believe that you can do everything on your list? I was like, oh, yeah, I am totally confident. That's hilarious. <laughs> and she was like, that is, I just can't even understand that. And I said, well, I can't really understand yours, you know, but <laughs> God's put us together. We're such great friends and such good compliments to each other. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I and I love that every chapter you have, I'm kind of going, I'm kind of switching, is starts with the lie and the truth uh-huh. because that has been such a, a thing in my life lately. Um, just doing some stuff with Dr. Carolyn Leaf and really identifying our negative thought patterns and finding truth that you just outlined so many different lies of perfection we can have, um, and and then really narrow in on the truth. And so people who do struggle with perfectionism and getting rid of that thought pattern that drives all of their relationships and everything they do, that they could replace it with truth. Like the lie of perfection is, um, one of them is people are obstacles to my tasks. And the truth of God's love is tasks deplete me. Relationships fill me up. That's good. Uh, That's uh, good. uh, Yeah. That's chapter <laughs> well, the funny thing was, is that um, I actually had somebody approach me about writing this book. And mm. when they first asked me, I was like, I don't think so. It's a 30 minute talk. It was, <laughs> te- it was my testimony talk is what yeah. the, the seed of it was. Yeah. Yeah. And yet the more I thought about it, the more I started understanding about the lies that I had believed. And it's funny because it was so cathartic even to to write the book because the more I wrote, the more I realized, wow, I have really fallen for these lies hook, line, and sinker. Mm. And um, 
And it's funny because, and one of the things I'm hearing from moms is a lot of angst that, especially moms of kids as they get older, um, a lot of angst that they've passed this on to their children. Right. And, um, and so that's kind of been a surprise to me, but then it shouldn't be because my oldest struggles with this so much and yeah. we're kind of breaking up with perfect together. So one day I was talking with him on the phone and he was just being super harsh on himself. He's really, um, he's almost worse. than I am. <laughs> and, um, and I said, Hey, I thought we were breaking up with perfect. And he said, well, you know, I did break up with Perfect about three months ago, but she has been hanging around again. <laughs> she is a clingy thing. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And Personifying that perfection. So funny. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was so interesting, though, because Perfect is a clingy thing. I mm -hmm. mean, it's really if you have um, this tendency, whether you're a good girl or never good enough girl, to create a facade with perfectionism. It is a, it's a process to let go of that, to let go of the lies and really embrace those truths and live them out. Yeah. And, and to encourage those who see themselves in either of those groups, that it is something you can break up with. Like it's a process. It took a long time to get to where you are. So it's going to take a while to undo the, yeah. the de detangling. Um, like Dr. Carol, she talks about like, there's literally neurological tracks in your brain and huh? these negative, these lies, you, you're like keeping them alive by going over them. So you have to stop them. You have to take them captive and you have to believe truth, like in the moment, yeah. seven times a day, if it takes it like, so I think you're helping us pinpoint, okay, there it is. I, I didn't recognize that that's what that action meant. That when I do that, that is actually coming from a place of believing the lie that these people are in the way, <laughs> that they're obstacles to being perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it has been funny because I've had several friends that read the book just because they love me. And mm. they said, I didn't even think I was a perfectionist until I read your book. But then I recognized so much of myself in it. And I really do think kind of circling back around that our culture pats us on the back for perfectionism so much that mm. sometimes we don't even recognize that it's a, it's a pit. <laughs> when you talking about it being passed on to our kids, are you thinking future about a kid's version for little girls or? I think well, actually in the new year, this is exciting. Courtney DeFeo and yeah. Lynn Cowell and I are going to do some kind of event. We're cooking something up um, to come at it from the kid's point of view, like, and how, Moms can break up with perfect so they don't pass it on to their kids. And what if your kids are already showing signs of it? So, so I'm good. really excited about that. Yeah. 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 I, I will never forget. I think I was at a season where I just felt like I was failing in everything. I think it was when I was even seeing a counselor because of just like the breakdown. And my son's first grade teacher, she called and um, she was talking about his perfectionism. Little yeah. did she know she was preaching to me. She was like, you know what, Heather? God never expected us to be perfect. He just expects us to do our best. This is what she had told him. And I'm like taking it in. I'm like crying like, yes, I do our best. And she said, and sometimes our best looks different in different seasons. Oh, God. Oh, God. Thought, oh, yes. I needed that in the midst of having four young children. And I just can't keep the race of Dallas. The, it's just a pace that I, I, I cannot keep a soul that I'm satisfied in and be myself and keep up the pace of right. a culture that 
is all about the image and how things look. I understand that. Yeah. 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 So it is so good. Okay. So where can people find you so they can keep up with all you're doing and. Well, I have a weekly blog at amycarroll.org and you can come and um, visit and read around and subscribe if you like it. I would, I'd love for you to be on the journey with me. And um, I'm also part of Proverbs 31 Ministries. And so I'm a speaker on their team. And if you visit Proverbs31.org, you can um, join me there. And plus, there are just so many amazing resources on our website. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your own personal struggles with us and being vulnerable about that. And I hope y'all, if any of this resonated with you, um, I'm sure, I'm sure most of us can find a place in one of those two groups. Um, she would check out her new book, breaking up with perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much. Heather, Thank you, Amy. Thank you. And have a great rest of your day. You too. All right. Bye. Bye. Wowzers. That is good stuff. We hit on so many different things, but I think one of my favorite things is Amy's line where she said, "Uh, only when I end my own pursuit of perfection, can God do a perfecting work in me. I don't know where you are today. I don't know if you feel numb. Like she described herself where she just couldn't feel God's love. If uh, I know that I have been in that place, I recently met with some friends and found a new level of freedom. And if you're even curious about that, about what it is like to find more freedom in Christ, I would love um, to hear from you. I'm so bad at email, but I read every single one and I am slowly, slowly getting back to people, but uh, you can always email me at godcentermom, godcentermom at gmail.com, um, and we can talk more about freedom. But um, I just pray right now that you have people in your life that you can go to, that you could say, you know, I don't feel God's love right now. Will you uh, mentor me? Oh, that was such good stuff she said about mentoring. Will you mentor me? Will you meet with me? Will you help me see where I'm striving and not surrendering? And um, prayer, pray together. The Holy Spirit does a work. The Holy Spirit is the one that is the surgeon doing the work on your heart to change it from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh to where you can feel. Like physically, I physically feel God's presence after the time I've spent with my praying mentors. And so I want that for everyone. Like now that I'm on the other side of it, I just want freedom for all of you. I talk with you. I hear the struggle. I hear the the sadness. I hear the um, just longing to be close to God and there's something in the way. And I think that that something in the way is a spiritual battle. And I, I really, um, I long for you to be a part of a community where you have friends who will do battle with you and that, that those, those lines of um, your true self and and your, your fake self, that, that, that there's no fake, (laughs) that you can be totally transparent. You can be real before them. You can, they can see all your wounds. They can see all your, your shame and, Y'all can do battle for freedom and be set free. So um, anyway, just let me know if you want to know more about that. I hope uh, Amy's words spoke to you. Definitely go check out her book. It's, I mean, it, it in itself can be a mentoring. Um, but y'all, go in peace. 
may God work in your hearts and your souls and bring you closer to him so you know and feel his love. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.